Hello and thank you for tuning in for Bearcat Rewind, episode number 42 for us here, and we welcome Northwest Missouri State head football coach Rich Wright to the podcast. Now we're officially into September, which should be all about kicking off fall sports around the country, but that was sidelined by COVID-19. So we brought Coach Wright on to talk about the shift to spring football and how he's approaching an extended offseason, but we also branched away from football. Coach Wright received a birthday present this year that put him in a stock car at the Kansas Speedway. An amazing experience for him that we dive into, as well as a few other non-football topics. Bearcat Rewind is brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, providing support for the Northwest Alumni Association and the university's funding needs since 1971. More information is available on Facebook or online at nwmissouri.edu alumni. And Clarinda Regional Health Center, offering support to Southwest Iowa and Northwest Missouri each day during times of uncertainty through emergency services and a local team of providers and nurses. More information at clarindahealth.com. Northwest football coach Rich Wright joins the podcast to talk about some hard-hitting topics like racing, golf, and back-to-school shopping. Let's dive into this week's Bearcat Rewind. Well, Coach, we appreciate you coming on and chatting with us today. And uh, obviously, as we're, we're talking here, the, the second day of September, it's a tough break to lose the football season, and, and we'd be getting ready for that first game coming up pretty quickly. But how do you approach this fall season um, now that it still feels like there's still a full off season until we might see games in the spring? You know, our, our number one job, it's been a tough situation, but, you know, honestly, you know, the thing I keep trying to challenge the kids with is that it's tough for everybody. So how are we going to grow and evolve this football team? You know, what are the things that we can can control? Um, are we going to be a better team a year from now than we are right now? So the guys are back in the weight room lifting, uh, plan on starting some type of fall practice uh, later here in September. And, and just trying to get the kids back into a schedule and a sense of normalcy, which I think is so critical for everybody at this time. From a coaching perspective, can you hit the reset button on the off season the way you would months ago to where you're kind of getting set for you know March, April, May like normal since we are kind of, uh, I guess, still a ways away from what we might see in 2021 for football? You know, yeah, I, I think I'm always looking for silver linings in life. Uh, rather than dwelling on what I don't have. And with the, the way that everything hit in the spring and us not being able to practice, you know, uh, it was going to be difficult for Coach Sturdy to really get everybody, you know, full throttle into the offense and what it could do. Uh, this provides some more time for those guys to digest the offensive playbook, to understand the in- intricacies of what we're doing over there. Uh, so, you know, in that sense, I guess it's uh, – like I said, I'm looking for a glimmer of hope, and that's, you know, if we get 365 days from today, I do know we'll be further along offensively than than we were had we just, you know, went out this Saturday, which is what our original schedule was, um, to go play a game. If you had to put a number on it, how much game tape have you watched getting ready for a game that's supposed to be this weekend that's still way, uh, you know, eons away, it feels like? Well, we started doing that in June. So, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, back then it, it was, there was, you know, we, I think everybody felt like we were going to find a way to yes. And, you know, every, the NCAA had paused a lot of decisions and, and, you know, wasn't being very clear on, on what they were going to mandate moving forward. And when you watch the Power Fives all still alive in June, you felt like, okay, this is going to go. And then as the summer evolved, 
and you know the case numbers did what they did and and people started to hit the panic button the ncaa came out with some legislation that was uh, pretty restrictive um you know at the time the, the only test that they would accept is the pcr test which is 130 dollars a test um everybody that's in contact with the football program had to have that test um uh, so in our organization, you're looking at probably almost 200 tests a week for the entire season. And I'm not a mathematician, so I'll just let you know that's that's a significant amount of money. Not long after that, you saw the Division II schools, um, you know, say they were not going to have a championship in the fall. And, uh, you know, they never recovered from that. Uh, sounds like the FCS is going to try and find a way to have a championship in the spring, but at our level... They said uh, that it wasn't going to happen. So, not a great situation overall, and not what any of us were hoping for. As we kind of went throughout, and you know, this pandemic hits in March. You think by September we're we're figuring things out, and and I guess to this point we still haven't. But looking at some the brighter side of things, I guess. So August is typically a sprint to week one for the football season. There is so much work for yourself, the coach, the rest of the coaching staff, all of the players. I think it was August 11th whenever the MIAA came out and said no spring or no fall sports it'll be pushed to the spring. Since it was so early and it was a couple weeks before uh, even public schools, high schools, elementary started up, did you get a chance to go back to school shopping with your daughters for the first time in probably quite a while? <laughs> I avoided that like the plague. <laughs> um, I, I let my wife handle all the back to school shopping detail. Um, I have been able to do some more. Um, I went to. Uh, Grace had a volleyball game last night, or two nights ago, and I was able to go to her first full volleyball game um, since she started high school. Um, you know, there's there's been some small opportunities to do some things like that that, uh, you know, I just never get to do. Um, it's, uh, you know, again, just trying to find silver linings and things. You know, for me, I'm unplugged so much of the, the fall with my family so to try and enjoy some of the the weekend time or or things where i'm normally uh, you know just swamped uh is is where i'm gonna have to find it i'm sure it's so different for for your wife and daughter so they kind of like all right dad we got to get you out of the house a little bit today or, or or you know give us some space go to the office watch some tape do something like that yeah it's been amazing how much they've actually said that to me uh <laughs> you know it's Believe it or not, though, it's, you know, one of the things that you wouldn't think of that that comes up, this has been tough in the sense that it's been difficult to make connections with our new kids. So I've had to, I've spent a lot of time creatively trying to do that. Just our freshman class, trying to get them around our, our upperclassmen, making sure they're okay in school. You know, in a typical year, when they come in for fall camp, I get to see those kids Every morning at breakfast, in meetings, out on the field, in the weight room, in the cafeteria. So that's been something that I've really charged our staff to do is, is you know, try and spend some time with those kids. Another thing that's really occupied a lot of my free time is I had to interview every one of our seniors and find out whether or not they wanted to come back the following fall. Um, within the logistics of that is, is trying to figure out their schedules. Um, you know, where guys going to go part-time, where they're going to stay full-time. You know, my three objectives for them was, number one, 
to make sure they graduated. Number two, if they wanted to play the next time Division Two was playing in the championship season, is to try and create a pathway for that. And then number three, how to do so with the least amount of cost, um, you know, on their backs. And and so that was a that was a pretty big undertaking. And that is so hard because you kind of have your life planned out. I'm going to graduate here, go on, get my job, move on, and kind of enjoy football for when it is, but then get ready to go on. And then all of a sudden, I mean, that last year taken out from under these kids, that's, that's brutal for them, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, it's, it's difficult in the sense that you're right. You, they had a plan. They, you know, they've been kind of walking towards that plan for the last, you know, for most of them four and a half years now at this point. And then to all of a sudden have the rug pulled out from underneath you and have to have to pivot everything is, is difficult. And, and so, you know, we were so close. I mean, we were, you know, it was August 10th. I know they backed up the start, you know, when we were going to start. But, you know, to a person in our in our organization, we felt like we were going to go. And so to have to do that, um, you know, in such a short amount of time was, was difficult. It's, it's trying to get these guys adjusted to the new normal. It's, uh, you know, just trying to get them back in the swing of things. You know, you have to understand as a college athlete, your life is very structured. And one of the difficult things right now is there's very little structure. You know, since really, you know, our summer months hit, you know, leading through the spring and, and even coming into the fall, you know, these kids asked me, you know, look to me every day for answers. And the difficult thing, I couldn't provide any because I didn't have any answers, um, you know, until the powers that be kind of mandated what was going to happen, um, I couldn't tell them a whole lot. So we just talked about being prepared and being ready to go, and there was going to be a football season, and then lo and behold, it wasn't. For everything that 2020 has thrown at us, I guess not all of it's been bad. Um, heard some rumors that you actually got to hop in a stock car at the Kansas Speedway and take a spin. <laughs> Is that right? That is right. Uh, probably the best birthday, not probably, it was the best birthday present I've ever gotten. Um I grew up, uh, my dad was a big stock car fan, big NASCAR fan, and I've always kind of watched it and always told people that, you know, someday I wanted to drive one of those race cars. And uh, I was supposed to uh, supposed to do it in April, uh, but because of COVID didn't happen, so my wife got it rescheduled. And, uh, yeah, I got to drive a stock car really fast. I thought that was, it was, it was one of, it, for the people out there, if if you like race cars, um, I highly recommend it. It's it's one of the biggest thrills I've ever had in my life, and I've done some I've done some crazy stuff. I've bungee jumped and done some of those things, but uh, it, it was the most exhilarating thing I've ever done. The reaction whenever you you get the present from your wife, I mean, was that uh, and that had to blow your mind, right? Like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> well, I didn't really understand it first, um, you know. So they. They actually wrapped up three different things. Um, one was was a picture of Kansas. One was a um, was a, a number, and it was the time that I was on the track. And then the third was a was a Matchbox uh, race car. And I'm like, okay, thanks. And <laughs> then they told me, and I was like, oh, this is going to be cool. So I, I, I it was uh, it was pretty awesome. So I assume they don't just say you've got a driver's license. Go ahead and hop in and, and go. How do you? How do they prep you for that? 
you know, it's it's a little more entailed than what you'd think. Um, you know, it was uh, they take you in for an hour and a half of training, um, where you're you know you're talking to the the lead car driver. They show you where to race on the track, where you want to be in the turns. Uh, they tell you you're going to have a spotter in your ear. Uh, you have to be able to drive a stick shift because it's a four speed, so there are no automatics. Uh, so they just take you through all that stuff. Um, once you get done, they, uh, put you, take you back. They have you put on a NASCAR suit and it was hot that day. It was probably 90 degrees. So I, I gained a new respect for those guys, but I think they have air conditioning in their suits. I can assure you I didn't, but you put the, the, the real helmet on and, um, they put the Hans device on your neck, you know, so it, it's legit. The fast, the better you hit your laps the faster they let you go. And so there's a spotter in your ear who's watching you drive on the track, and there's more than one car. Um, so that was kind of fun. And, you know, so when you jump in, uh, the steering wheel's off. They have to put that, you know, they have to push that on. There is no adjustment in the seat. You either got it or you don't. They strap you in, and, and you're like, okay, here we go. So when you say the better you hit, hit your laps, the faster you go, what do you mean by that? Okay, so every lap that you go, you're trying to hit your marks in and out of the corner. They're, they have white lines on the track that kind of um, indicate to you the position of the race car, where you want the position of the race car. Too far down on the bank is bad, and and you can lose control there. Too far up, you can go into the wall. Um, you know, I think my first lap, I was going 135 miles an hour, so um, each subsequent lap that you go, they let you go faster and faster. So what did you top out at? 155 miles an hour. Whew. And I imagine uh, of all your years growing up uh, up in Hamilton, New York, and uh, not driving too fast on the highways or doing anything crazy as a teenager, you never came close to that, right? <laughs> I didn't go that fast. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd driven fast before, but never that fast. It's just it's so different um, because – you look at the track when you get on it and you think it's bigger than what it is. Um, I'm telling you, when you're going that fast, it, it uh, the track goes by pretty quickly. Uh, you know, the one thing that I, I kept coming out of turn four thinking that was where I was really going to hit the throttle, but it really isn't. It's actually on the back side of the course. It's the longest side, and that's where I hit my top speed. As you're coming around and you're going around the embankment in a curve, I mean, the first couple times, is it – you're kind of worried that you might lose control and, and fly into a wall. Does it take a little bit to get that confidence? It does. You know, so you think that, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to let out of the throttle and I'm going to go as fast as I can. And you know, this and that, but your first couple times into the corner, when you start to feel the car move a little bit, you know, it, it takes a little bit to start to get used to just the natural drift that the car has. So you've had, uh, well, former linebacker Jared Erspalmer is in a pit crew right now for Hendrick Motorsports. Miles Burnside's was for a little bit, too. Do you call those guys up and get some tips before you go in? I didn't call them to get tips going in, but I darn sure called Jared after I got done. I was <laughs> like, you know, if Chase Elliott needs a backup, I'm, I'm ready. And we went back and forth for quite a while. He asked me how fast I went, and I told him, he goes, that's pretty good. So um, yeah, it was fun. They actually had a professional driver out on the course. There's two different things you can do. You can either, so like when I was in the car, I was literally in the car by myself. There was nobody with me. Um, I was just doing what I could do. They do have a professional, they have a, an option where you can, uh, 
you can have somebody else drive you, which was of no interest to me, by the way. But um, he's allowed to go. He's allowed to go without any restrictor plate. So there, at one time, he went by me, and you can't turn around. So you can see you can't see anything behind you because of, a the Hans device. There is no rear view mirror, so they just instruct you to keep your eyes vertical and. So my spotter is talking into my ear, and he's saying, "You want to?" He goes, "Drop down on the track. You got a you got a pro coming behind you." And he he was just like, "I'm a I've got you here." He goes, three, two, one, and the car flies by me, and I go, "How fast is he going?" He goes, "190 miles an hour." Whew. I was like, "Gosh darn!" <laughs> so that's that's my next goal. I gotta I I've got to move to the super speedways. I got to go to either Daytona or Talladega and try one of those because I think they let you go a little faster. Well, I was going to say, if you had your choice of going on to another venue and trying this out, are, are those the top two, or is there anything else you anybody anywhere else you throw in? Yeah, Daytona and Talladega would be. Actually, I take that back. The other one I think would be fun would be Bristol, just because it's a short track. But uh, if the next time I go, my grandfather grew um, lived in his retirement years about two miles from the track at Daytona, and uh, he used to take me over to the time trials. I never went to the five hundred. But I can remember Kenny Schrader doing 220 miles an hour. This was before the the restrictor plates got put on on a time trial lap, and I I thought that was pretty cool. That's unbelievable. So you've you probably got a racing uh, future coming up. You know, once you wrap up your coaching career, hop in a stock car and go, right? Absolutely. If they have a senior tour for NASCAR, it's either that or I'm going to join the senior tour in golf. I've, <laughs> that's the other thing I've done. I've played in the last two weeks. I haven't hit a golf ball in six years i haven't played a round of golf in six years i've played twice so i i mean i'm looking for a little bit of a hobby to occupy all this extra time i have i've heard rumors that uh some people are upset that they keep seeing people wearing sandals on the golf course is that right that would be me (laughs) i I still i still play uh golf and flip-flops but i i'm gonna have to make a push for a senior circuit in nascar and see what i can do the irony is, though, that people would expect the senior circuit to be going so much slower. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing. It, it was funny. Jared said, uh, I said, I have a brand new respect for those guys. You know, you watch that stuff on TV, and they're literally inches from one another. And I can't imagine driving that fast and doing that. And he goes, they're not athletes, but they're definitely talented. So uh, at least my athletic ability wouldn't be called into play. I could, I could just rely on my reflexes, but... I'm not sure those get better with age either. Well, you talk about trusting that guy in your ear too, to you know your spotter to say, "Hey, watch for this coming up here. Watch for that there." I mean, that's that's the ultimate trust right there. Yeah, they're talking to you all the way around the track, and you literally have a button on your steering wheel where you can communicate back with them. And so that took a little bit of getting used to. You're you're hearing somebody in your ear, but you're again when you're driving that fast, you're trying to you're trying to your hands are ten and two. Let me put it that way. And so the button's on, on the right side, um, and, and so once you got used to it, it was a little bit easier to talk and communicate. All right, Coach, a couple more quick ones, then I'll turn you loose. Usually throughout the fall, um, in portions of spring football, you're really restricted on time. I know you usually say get a little bit during the summer to hammer out as many books as you can. Are there any uh, must-reads, any books you recommend to our listeners? Ooh, good question. Um, yeah, uh, 
I, I definitely liked, um, I read The Slight Edge here recently by Jeff Olson. Um, I thought that was pretty good. Um, let me think. Boy, you put me on the spot. I hadn't <laughs> thought about this. What else, what else did I read? I read a couple things this summer. Um, that's the one off the top of my head, The Slight Edge, because I just got done reading it. We'll come back around to that one. You'll have plenty more time this fall, too, I'm sure, to knock out a few more. Last one for you. You're a racing guy, so when you're at home, do we find Rich Wright working on cars? Are you a lawn and landscaping kind of guy? Are you are you gardening, a handyman? What What's Rich Wright like around the house? I am definitely not a cars guy. Um, my dad was a vice president of a log homes company, so I learned I learned how to build log homes, so I'm the, I'm the handyman guy. Uh, usually take on more projects than I should during the summer. Uh, usually start them and then don't want to finish them. But anything with woodworking, I'm pretty good at. Anything, um, I can do electrical work. I can do drywall. I can do that type of stuff. But when it comes to the mechanical stuff, if it's not changing the oil or filters or doing that stuff, I kind of try and stay away. That's still pretty good. I got a few projects I'll probably give you a call that uh, <laughs> could use an well, extra set of hands on. <laughs> My wife wanted to, my, we had, uh, we were part of the honey oak craze of Maryville, Missouri, uh, back when we bought our house 16 years ago. And she decided that she wanted, uh, the trim all redone in the house. And she wanted, and rather than buying stock trim, I had to make it custom. And I, I regret that every moment <laughs> of every day ever since. Uh, anybody that's ever done trim, that's a, an unending, uh, job. I had to custom cut all all the stuff around the windows. I did build ups on the doors. Um, our our doors were honey oak. I had to paint all those white. It was uh, it was quite the undertaking. But it feels so good once it gets all done, right? <laughs> once and if it gets all done, because you just go down a different rabbit hole. So I've got I've only got one room left. It's the bathroom, and now my wife's talking about potentially redoing the bathroom. So I've I kind of held off on that room until we decide what we're going to do. <laughs> well, you've got your fall cut out for you then. So we, we really appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on the podcast, and we'll talk to you again soon, okay? Sounds great. Take care, Matt. Thanks again to Rich Wright for joining us here on Bearcat Rewind. If you'd like to see some of those photos from him at the Kansas Speedway, check out our Twitter, at Bearcat Radio. We've got some up there, as well as on Facebook at KXCV, KRNW's Facebook page. Also, in case you missed it, over the last few weeks, our guests have included Zach Howard, Joseph Barnes, both from the Northwest football team, Andy Peterson, Troy Tisdall, Mark Rosewell, also Hudson Bilodo, and Elijah Green. So we've got a lot of podcasts we've lined up over the last few weeks. Be sure to check those out. Thank you for listening to Bearcat Rewind. Please subscribe, rate, review, and tell your friends about the podcast. I'm Matt Tritton. We will talk to you again next time.